I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And hey, everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. Lots to dive into. Ranger fans are just apoplectic right now, the play of Mika Zibanejad. And I know it's come predominantly against the Flyers over the last couple of games, but still. When you see the stats, six more points last night, another natural hat trick. Rangers beat the Flyers 8-3. to And we talked about the Flyers' troubles yesterday, but you know, right now the Rangers seem to be poised for a run here. Just the question is, will there be enough time for them to be able to catch Boston? Because Boston did steal a point last night. We'll get into that in just a second. But... You know, two games against Philadelphia, 12 points, six goals. It's just sick. It really is. He's the first player in the history of the National Hockey League to have six points in back-to-back games against the same opponent, okay? He's just the second player in the history of the NHL to have six points against the same team in one season. The last time it happened was 1919. Joe Malone had six points in two games when he was playing for the Quebec Athletic Club against the Toronto St. Patrick's, which turned out to be the St. Pat's, and then, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So anything that happened for the first time since 1919, for the first time ever, I mean, these are the kind of things that are getting thrown around here. And Adam Fox becomes just the third Ranger defenseman to have five points in a game. He has 68 points in his first 101 games in the National Hockey League. Now, he's not Brian Leach. He's not the same type of player as Leach. He's not built the same as Leach. But he has this amazing scoring ability. He just knows when to pinch at the right time. He can skate. There's a lot of things to love about Adam Fox. There is. Bushnevich is starting to really come together with this team now as he's playing well with a couple of goals. Ryan Strom has been amazing. Uh, th- it was just crazy. They scored eight goals last night and only one point from Artemi Panarin, and you know how hot he can be at any given moment. Now, Shesterkin did, did give up three goals, but he faced 44 shots. I wouldn't say he was tremendously tested. He had a couple of big saves when there was still a chance that Philadelphia could fight into the game. I didn't love the fact that the Rangers gave up those two goals uh, late in the um, second period and then had to kill off a power play to start the third, which actually put the game in a little bit of jeopardy. But you've got Shesterkin, who everybody believed going into this year was your number one goaltender. Mika playing like a star. Panarin playing like a star. Fox playing like a star. You know, So now you've got your star center, you've got your star defenseman, you've got your star goaltender, you build up the middle in this league. And that's exactly what they've done. Now, they've got work to do as far as trying to get a playoff spot. They've tied Philadelphia. Now they play Philly tomorrow. One o'clock, so get that separation. Beat Philadelphia on fifth place, and then you can kind of focus on Boston. Now, Boston did steal a point. They had a two-goal lead against the Islanders. The Islanders came fighting back with three straight goals. Uh, Walshstrom, who's been really good for the team, had scored a goal that looked like it was going to be the game winner, but Bork comes back and ties it. But then Anthony Beauvillier, it, it's amazing. I think the Islanders have won five games in overtime this year, and four of them are because of Beauvillier goals. So the Islanders have been great, and they did get two points, and they did win their third in a row. But Boston still got a point. 
So the Rangers, instead of being two back, are three. But Boston's got three games in hand, a ton of games left with Buffalo. So it's going to be tough. Uh, Pittsburgh is still within sight, but that's 10 points. And But the Rangers do have two games in hand against Pittsburgh. So if they make that up, they can cut it to six. It's still going to be very difficult with the 24 games remaining for the Rangers to be able to do it. But at least it makes everybody feel better if this team can close out the season. And then you can kind of excuse away that 500 first half. Panarin missed 10 games. Truba missed 8 games. Heedle, who scored a goal last night, missed 14 games. You know, So you can kind of throw those things out there and say that maybe if this team had stayed healthy and Mika played like Mika all year long, that this could have been a playoff team. It's not about this year. It's about moving forward. And then you're going to add crafts off. You've got Bushnevich in the fold here. I think they'll deal with his contract because I think he's ready to be a part of this team now after a little bit of a sluggish start early on. I think this Ranger team, you got to feel good about him. Maybe not enough this year, but who knows? You know, we saw what happened with COVID with the Islanders, I mean, with the, uh, the, the Devils earlier this year. Montreal's going through it right now. Boston lost their game in overtime after coming back from the COVID protocol. So we'll see what happens as far as Boston being able to maintain. Just because you've got those games in hand doesn't mean you're automatically going to win those games in hand. So let's keep an eye on it. At least they're giving you a reason to believe. And, and of course, it drives me crazy. It drives our producer, Anthony uh, Pusick, crazy that I'm seeing articles already. I'm seeing blogs about... Well, I don't want David Quinn fired, but he should sit down with Chris Knobloch and find out what he did differently so he can win games. Stop it. Knobloch admitted everything he does is because David Quinn tells him to do it. There might be an instinct here or there. He admitted that. There might be a moment here or there. But you don't want to game 8-3 because of one little tiny change. And he goes over everything with Quinn, talks to Quinn every day, Chris Drury is there to handle the forwards, so he's obviously in uh, in Quinn's ear as well. Last night, you saw um, Brown come back. You saw Martin come back. So half of the coaching staff was actually contributing to last night's victory. So we've got to stop, okay? These are David Quinn's wins. Chris Knobloch has done a great job, and I'm sure this will look very fancy on his resume if he wants to get a head coaching gig someplace else. He's going to coach again tomorrow. Uh, probably coach again on Sunday against Washington, so we'll see what his record's going to end up being. And I don't care if he ends up going 7-1 and one in these eight games replacing David Quinn. Quinn's still the coach. Quinn's to still be the coach, and I just don't understand the conspiracy theories. Mika was already getting hot before Quinn when it's a protocol. Bushnevich was already getting hot. Panarin had returned. I mean, this was something that I think inevitably was going to happen with this Ranger team. I give... Knobloch, tons of credit. He packed his bags thinking he was going to coach one game, and he might end up coaching eight. So I give him credit for stabilizing things. It didn't go off the rails, but do not think that some kind of coaching magic happened that would not have happened if David Quinn were there. we got to stop that. Part of the magic was you're taking on a Philly team that's in free fall. One of your wins came against Buffalo that lost again last night to Pittsburgh. Okay? Um Stop. And Washington's a team, you know, the Rangers split the two games with Washington with Knobloch as the head coach. Well, the Rangers won the first two games against Washington when Quinn was coaching. So stop the madness already. Please stop it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Capitals get Ovechkin back. He scores a goal. 4-3 win over the Devils. I say back as he had missed practice. Now goal number 721 for Ovechkin. I think the Capitals are going to be in the top five. As I mentioned, the Islanders with a big win. Hurricanes with a big win as well. They beat the Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets really needed that one. But give them credit, they did steal a point because they got the late goal with the goaltender pulled from Bjorkstrand. Scores with 16 seconds left, so Columbus does get a point. Give the Senators credit. They come to play every single night. They do. And they had a lead against the Maple Leafs. Just couldn't hold on to it. Hull gets the game winner. Leafs win 41 shots on goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs. As I mentioned, Sabres lose again. Now 0-14-2 in their last 16. They continue to add to the longest winless streak in the shootout era. A um, lot of conversation about Taylor Hall today because he did say he'd waive his no-trade clause. Of course he would. He wants to get out of here, but he's contributed to what's happened here. So I just wonder if there's going to be a team that's just going to think that Hall is the perfect guy to bring in when I think he's really contributed to the struggles of the um, Buffalo Sabres. Wild with a couple of wins in a row in two days. They beat the Wild. They beat the Blues last night 2-1. to one. Blackhawks with a nice win over the Florida Panthers. Final score there was 3 to nothing. Panthers threw 41 shots at Lankanen, and he makes all the saves and keeps Chicago's playoff hopes alive. Predators getting hot now. They score seven goals on 30 shots. Uh, Grinaldi with the hat trick, and the pa- Predators win 7-1. to one. Give the Stars credit, okay? They ha- they hung with the Lightning two days ago on Tuesday. They flat out beat the Lightning 4-3. to three. And the turning point in this game, game came. <clears throat> Haskinen scores midway through the first period after Tampa had jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Next thing you know, it looks like it's going to be 2-1 heading to the uh, second, the third period. And then Pavelski scores with 120 to go on the power play, and then a minute and four seconds later, Robertson scores. So in the blink of an eye, 2-1 becomes 3-2. Palat ties it in the third uh, at the 15-10 mark. Figure going to overtime, not so fast. A couple of minutes later, Hintz gets his 10th. Dallas wins in regulation. Vasilevsky's 12-game winning streak comes to an end. Give the Dallas Stars credit for that win. And we talked about it the game of the night goes to the Avalanches. They school the Golden Knights 5-1. to one. Five unanswered goals for the Avalanche. Pacioretty made it a 1-0 40 seconds in, right? But then Donskoy, Comfer, McCarr, Landeskog, uh, Belmar get goals, five consecutive, and they wiped the floor with the Vegas Golden Knights, and they were wearing the old throwback Nordique jerseys. you got to love that. And now the Avalanche are starting to get scary. They were really slow out of the gate. They had some guys banged up, but they're starting to get healthy. We talked about with EJ yesterday. They're a fun watch. They can skate with anybody in this league. And now they're starting to warm up. 8-1-1 one, one in their last 10. And this is a team that was tied points-wise with Vegas, although Vegas does have a game in hand and one more win, although the row wins favor the Avalanche. So don't forget that. Avalanche with 18 row wins to Vegas is 17. 
and the goal differential is in favor of the Avalanche by 10, plus 39 to plus 29. So something to consider there. Maybe the Avalanche are every bit the team we thought going in. They were the chic pick going into the uh, regular season, and now they're starting to look like they might be the best team in the Western Conference. Did somebody say best team? Well, it's Friday, and you know what Friday means. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. Do a top five. You go from five to one, so let's get started with number five. Number five. I'm going to go with the Washington Capitals at five. They're eight and two in their last ten. Uh, they've dipped just a little, little, little bit. Um, they kind of toying with teams. Ovechkin, like I said, was banged up. But Orloff continues to get goals. Kuznetsov was the star last night with two goals, including the game winner when the Devils fought back. So I've got the Washington Capitals rounding out or getting us started at number five. Number four. Give the Islanders credit. You know, I was on them a little bit when they continued that winning streak a couple of Sundays ago with that offside play when the Devils looked like they had won the game. And then they kind of looked a little lethargic, but then they beat up on Philadelphia 6-1. to They come back from 2 nothing down against Boston. And they own the Bruins, by the way. They've beaten them all five times they've faced them. And last night was the first time they beat them in overtime. Previously, all four wins in regulation. That's a good little nugget to keep to the side if these two teams hook up uh, in the postseason. Plus, their plus-26 goal differential is just outrageous. And it is the best in their division. I've got the Islanders at number four. Number three. I've got them at three. They're still, to me, I think the best team in the NHL, but still seven and ten over their last ten. And they did lose to Dallas last night. They've looked a little lethargic to me, but Vasilevsky's been amazing. I'm talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't think it matters where they rank. Because when they get to the playoffs and they get Kucherov back, they're going to be amazing. But, you know, just a little lethargic in the division that sometimes can make you that way when you're having to play some of the teams they have to play on a day-in, day-out basis because I think they're the class right there uh, with Carolina. But, you know, you get to beat up on Detroit, and sometimes they don't even do that. Uh, But I've got uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning at number three. Number two. That can be said about the Hurricanes in the division that they play in, but they, they find ways to win games. Niederreiter has looked good, certainly did uh, last night. couple of wins in a row, only one regulation loss in their last 10. So I've got the Hurricanes at number two. Number one. Yeah! Yeah, it's got to be the Avalanche, right? I went over all their stats before. Record of 21-8-3, 18-row wins, plus 39 goal differential is the second best in the National Hockey League, just a shade behind Tampa's plus 42. Only one regulation win in their last 10, and they really, I think, showed something against Vegas. I mean, that's the team that they're targeting. They want to win this division, and to win in the way and the fashion in which they did it, uh, just tells me that this is a team that's going to be very, very dangerous. Got off to a little bit of a slow start, but it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And this team, when it's all said and done, could end up, let's be honest, can very easily end up not only winning the Western Conference, but maybe when it's all said and done, can actually finish right there with Tampa. They both played the same amount of games, 33. Tampa's won four more games, and of course their division's a little bit easier. But it's not about winning the President's Trophy, it's about winning the Cup. And they were disappointed last year in the postseason. I think they're going to be a big, big-time team in the second half of the year. So Florida dips, Pittsburgh uh, dips, only because I just didn't find room for them. I could have put Pittsburgh ahead of Washington. I could have. Pittsburgh's only lost twice in regulation. 
attention over their last ten, although a lot of games uh, with the New Jersey Devils, with the bottom feeders uh, in their division, and Buffalo, too. So Pittsburgh's taking advantage of their schedule, as Boston will, coming up with all these games with the Buffalo Sabres. But that's what I have as my top five. So dispute it as much as you like, and I'm sure you will on Twitter. All right, let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. I want to pound a lot of these because we didn't do any yesterday. Let's go to Courtney. Hi, Don. Happy Friday. If the season wasn't what it was this year, only playing in teams' divisions and each game so important for all of the teams in that division, would the Sabres really be this bad? I feel so bad for them right now. You know, it's interesting, but I'll tell you this. Maybe they'd be worse. Think about it. Because maybe in the middle of this, they'd have to go take a trip out west. Maybe they'd have to go out to Western Canada to take on Vancouver and Edmonton and Calgary, right? I mean, when you're a bad team, the last thing you want to do is travel 3,000 miles away to get your head pounded in, all right? I mean, they get to play. um, They've got New Jersey's number. They've gotten to play them a few times. Yeah, they're in a very, very difficult division. I agree with you, but they don't have uh, an inordinate amount of travel. You would think playing these teams as many times as they're playing them that eventually you'd try to figure them out just a little bit. No, I, I think Buffalo is this bad. I mean, they've been they've been getting this bad for a while now, and I'm not going to excuse what's happening here based on the fact that they uh, are in a very difficult division. Donnell says, hey, Don, so out of the reverse retro jerseys in the New York area, do you like the best? Or who do you like the best, and which one is your least favorite, Rangers, Islanders, or Devils? I think you've asked this question before. They've tweaked the Rangers to make the numbers a little bit easier to see. Islanders really haven't done anything. Again, I'm going to go with the Devils by default because at least there's a a true reverse with the green jerseys and it's honoring their history. But I'm not a fan of any of the three, uh, to be quite honest with you. Michael says, hi, Don. The Penguins are missing their second line and two-thirds of their third line should be fresh for the playoffs. Cup run? I just don't know. You know, DeSmith was great last night, but again, you know, he's taking down on the Buffalo Sabres, but Buffalo did throw like 38 shots at him. Um, I just don't know if you've got cup caliber goaltending. And you could have said that when we first saw Matt Murray back in the day, right? And he kind of surprised everybody. I have been pleasantly surprised by Pittsburgh. I don't think they're cup worthy. But, hey, the way they're playing, they're going to make the playoffs, and they've got a lot of guys with a ton of experience. And, you know, when you're playing without Malkin, I get it. Um, you've had to play earlier in the season without Latang. You survived all the injuries you had on the blue line. I think, you know, listen, the, the playoffs, sometimes you do get runs. And it seems like the more I talk about it, the more I kind of convince myself that maybe Pittsburgh can't. I'm, I'm still going to say no, but they've surprised me. And let's see if they can do it again. Deegan says, how about those Rangers? That's it. That's my tweet. Well, how about them? It's been pretty interesting for sure. Ozzy says, maybe overthinking, but the reaction to Tim Peel feels empty in regards to its growing relation with gambling. If it's something they're genuinely uh, genuine about, maybe release injury status and actually tell us who the starting goalie is going into it before you start games. No, it's two completely different arguments, Ozzy. Okay? The whole upper body, lower body injury thing is to take advantage or having a team not take advantage of where the injury may lie and for them to go after that during games, okay? They're still pretty upfront as far as whether a guy's going to be available to play or not, usually. Yeah, the starting goaltending is irritating. I get it, but I don't think what when we talk about the gambling aspect of it, we're not talking about having a healthy relationship with the gambling establishment. What it is is saying to you that people are paying closer attention, all right? So 
a, a nondescript Panther Red Wing game flies under the radar if there's no gambling, right? It's two teams, both of them right now out of the playoffs. All right, it's not a game that a lot of people are going to pay attention to. It may not have any meaning as far as a bad call costing a team a chance to go to the playoffs, at least right now. Okay, again, Nashville's playing better, so that might change. But we're talking about the guy that's watching that game because he's bet it. And now he's going to pay attention to it going on. And now you start talking about the people that are interested in hockey because of the gambling aspect that are wondering if this stuff is on the up and up. Honestly, I I think it's more really about the integrity of the sport period than the gambling stuff. EJ had brought the gambling up because I think more people pay attention, more eyeballs on it. But quite honestly, I just don't know. If the NHL doesn't do anything to Tim Peel, then they're condoning and confirming all of the urban legend that that those things the makeup calls happen and you can't do that if you're a league you can go to right now adam silver in the nba and you can ask him does lebron james get an extra step and you don't call traveling he is going to say no our officials call the game the same way no matter who has the ball all right we know that's a lie but adam silver can't admit it and he's got plausible deniability because he's always denied it whenever he's been asked about it all right now, if something happened where an official were to admit he gives LeBron James an extra step, the way it happened with Tim Peel, well, then Adam Silver would have to let that official go because when you go back and say, hey, I thought you didn't condone this, you say, no, we don't condone this. We have denied it because we don't allow it. Here's an example of why we don't allow it. We just fired the guy. I think that's what has to be really put in and talked about here. Richard says, hey, Don, son-in-law Dan and I ask who your top five Norris candidates are. Too soon to consider Adam Fox for defenseman. His seven points, four assists, two points on the power play, and third in power play assists. If and when the Rangers are in the hunt, he would be more. He would get more notice. I think he's getting notice now. I mean, I think Hedberg's going to win it. Uh, Hedman's going to win it, excuse me. So uh, Victor Hedman's probably my guy. Uh, Hamilton, what's he, what he's doing in, in Carolina, has it, got a major consideration as well. I'd put Fox right there. I would. I'd have to really break down and go over all the plus minuses and everything and some of the defensemen that are playing well. Carlson always gets consideration in Washington. But I would put Fox there. He's putting up historic numbers. He's been amazing. Chris says, hi, Don. Fletcher mentioned in the press conference to need to change the team makeup and been aggressive in talking to general managers. However, he also said teams don't want big salaries and he's not getting many calls. Does he have a very difficult offseason ahead? He sure does. Because, yeah, it's going to be difficult to move salary. Because right now with the pandemic, there's a lot of teams that even with the salary cap and the salary floor, you know, where's the salary cap going to be next year? How much money are, are teams going to want to to eat in, in, in uh, trades? Um, so that's going to make it very difficult for Philadelphia to move some of the guys. Uh, and, and when you talk about culture change, you could talk to me about, well, Carter Hart just needs to grow. He's only 22 years old. He's only part of the problem, man. I mean, their blue line right now is digressed, and I think they've got some great forwards. Uh, uh, Van Riemsdyk has had a great year. I think Giroux is a special player. Farabee, we've talked about him, I think is going to be a really good player in this league. But that blue line and that goaltending – has got to get fixed. And I'm not sure just giving Carter Hart another year, that's going to be tough to do. I think he's going to be a good goaltender, but you know, it just has not been very good right now. And it's a lot to throw on a 22-year-old, but is it going to be any better when he's 23 next year? We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, David says, saw an article suggesting the Oilers should trade 
to bring back Taylor Hall so they can end up with the best first two forward lines. First, would this even be a logical move? Second, would even consider pulling the trigger on a trade if you're Edmonton? Well, listen, Edmonton's problem is not scoring. Edmonton's problem is keeping the puck out of the net, right? So if they get good goaltending, I think they're fine. I don't think you really need to make any kind of splash for Taylor Hall. Um, we'll see what they decide to do up there, but I, all of a sudden they're starting to get better goaltending, and guess what? Now they're competing for first place. So I don't know if there's a goaltender out there that they can go after, but that's what I'd be focusing on if I were um, Edmonton. All right, I've been looking forward to talking to Sal about this. Um, I didn't get get to his tweet a couple of days ago, but I wanted to get it in here on the podcast. Ducks Wild game the other night, delay of game purposely taken by Benito of Wild with two seconds and laying uh, on top of the puck. Ducks no chance to capitalize on penalty. This is why games and periods should be allowed to shouldn't be allowed to end with time still on the penalty. This is a very interesting, very very interesting conversation. I, I wouldn't get into it with the periods. I wouldn't do it in the first and second period. But, Sal, you bring up a very good point. At the end of the game, you're pressuring to get the tying goal. Defenseman on the other team panics, throws the puck over the glass. He's going to do that without any inhibition if there's like five seconds left in the game because he doesn't care because he knows that by the time they call the penalty, five seconds, even the face-off in the offensive zone is not going to be enough time for the penalty to be capitalized on. So, yeah, you're going to do that. You're going to drag somebody down. You're going to tackle somebody as long as it's not a penalty shot. You know, then then you're probably going to do it. So, here here comes the conversation. Do you extend the game? Because that's what you're doing. You're extending the game. It's now no longer a 60-minute game. Now it's going to be a 60 61 minute and 55 second game if there's a penalty in the last 5 seconds, say. So do you extend the game, or do you reward a penalty shot? Now, here's why I think I would think about a penalty shot. Here's why. Penalty shots are logical when a clear and obvious goal would have been scored, right? We award a goal to somebody who's dragged down with the empty net who easily was going to score, right? We award a penalty shot when somebody is penalized when he's got a clear breakaway, right? We, we award a penalty shot. But we also award a penalty shot when a player takes a delay a game in the crease. We also call a penalty shot when a player dislodges the net on a scoring opportunity. So there are there's a, some loose ends where, yeah, do you really need to award a penalty shot when there's a delay a game in the crease? Does that necessarily mean there would have been a goal? So you are a little bit more liberated, I think, to start thinking outside the box and say, rather than extend the game, We'll award a penalty shot. If you commit a penalty, I don't know if I'd go the final two minutes, but if you wanted to come up with a number, because I, I still think there's a risk of taking a penalty in the final minute because you're giving a team a minute power play. But when you get to a period of time where you're just, it's just not logical you're going to be able to take advantage of it, right? I mean, back in the old days, it'd be different when the faceoff would be at center ice, but now that it's in the offensive zone, what would be the time to come up with that would be logical to say. I don't think there's. An, I don't think there's really enough time for them to score on the power play. That it really behooves the team that committed the penalty to do it and stop them from doing it because it would be damaging. Is it 20 seconds? Is it 15 seconds? Is it 10? I think 30 might be a little bit too much. So rather than expend or expand on the third period, 
I'd award a penalty shot. And maybe we say if you commit a penalty in the final 20 seconds, it's a penalty shot. That would really open up the ice, wouldn't it? Because nobody would take a chance to commit a penalty if it means a penalty shot. Something to think about. It kind of popped into my head when I was reading Sal's tweet because I was going to just answer the question, extending the game or not. And I probably would extend the game. But I thought about I thought about the penalty shot, and I figured, why not throw that into the mix? Tell me what you think about it. Uh, Jimmy says, if you look at the last week of Rangers hockey and only the last week, they look like a playoff team. Am I wrong? Jimmy, you're not wrong. They look like a playoff team. Unfortunately, it's not the way it works, but I understand what you're talking about. Uh, another Sal says, uh, who do you see is best and most realistic player the Islanders can trade for at the deadline to replace Anders Lee? Well, the one guy that we seem to circle is Kyle Palmieri. Uh, he's playing better with New Jersey. Uh, I don't know if New Jersey wants to give him up. I wouldn't. I don't think Taylor Hall really fits into what they're doing. Grantland is somebody that gets thrown in. Lou will find it out because Lee's not coming back and they're going to have to replace him, and they've done pretty well without him. But if I'm an Islander fan, and I've said this before, I'm looking forward to seeing what Lou can do here because when he feels, he can, when he sniffs it and believes he's got a chance to make the playoffs, he definitely goes for it, and it could be very very interesting. Also got a little bit of news here. It was reported by John Shannon up at Sportsnet that it looks like the quarantine period between Canada and the United States is going to be reduced from 14 days to 7. That's good news because first of all, if it goes down to 7, then in the next couple of months it could go down even less. But even if it stays at 7, this could be good because, listen, if you've got, let's say, the um, the American divisions finish up, then the Canadian division could still be going to, to the conference final. We've seen teams take a week off between series. How many times have we seen uh, the West sweep in the conference final and the East play seven games and it's literally a week between games? I can live with the seven days. And if there's a series still going on, then it might not be seven days. It might be six. It might be five. It might be four. It might be three depending on the timing. So four teams seemed a little big to me, but seven, seven's doable. If it stays at seven, you can you can go a week between the second and the third round, and I still think in most cases it would be less than a week. So I think that's actually some uh, pretty interesting news as the pandemic is still a bit of an issue, obviously. The, uh, the Canadians are still in COVID-19 protocol, so they've got their games uh, postponed through Sunday. So we take a look at the schedule today. Their game against the Oilers has been postponed. The Oilers are already uh, in Toronto. Devils will play the second game against the Capitals in Washington at 7 o'clock tonight. At 8, the Blues home for the Ducks. At 10, the Sharks at the Coyotes. Sharks have been playing well. And the Flames and the Jets at 10 o'clock. I'd bet the over on that one. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. All right, this was a lot of fun. Back with you again on Monday when we'll have EJ Raddick. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll be calling the Sunday game between the Rangers and the Capitals, by the way. I'll be hosting the game against the Flyers tomorrow, but calling with Dave Maloney the Capital game at at noon on Sunday. So talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.